Governor Tom Wolf is poised to veto another bill to make housing essential, and the CEO of Redfin makes some predictions of what happens post-COVID. Tune into Tool Time right now. We are back on Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She is Sarah Timon, or Sarah Timon Hogue, if you go by her hyphenated name. Just not feeling well. We're pitching in. We're a team. So, Sarah, excited to have you on. First show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, are you nervous? Tell us what's going through your head right now. Um, I mean, the market has definitely been interesting. Um, we've all been waiting for this bill to come out, um, and we're all hoping for a good result. So, um, I don't know that I'm nervous. I'm anxious. <laughs> anxious is a good word. So let's get, so that's a great answer. So here's what the latest is on this bill. So the Senate passed it by a little over 68% midweek on Wednesday. And then after that, it went back to the House to get affirmed. And it passed one short vote, one vote short, excuse me, of two thirds. And then some, an article came out today on KYW that says, Governor Wolf has three bills on his desk today that the House passed, and he said he's going to veto all of them. It has to do with hairdressers, salons, lawmakers, all sorts of stuff to get the economy back on track. And he basically said, hey, I'm vetoing all of them. So what do you think about all this? I mean, I think that we do, we need to be safe. Um, you know, obviously this pandemic is a real thing. Um, and I think everybody's on the same page with that. But we also need to get things rolling again. I mean. Um, particularly, particularly with housing that is in Pennsylvania not considered essential and really needs to be. I mean, there are people out there that are in a position where they are not in a home right now or where they're carrying two mortgages. Um, so it's very serious for a lot of people. We all know the pandemic is serious, but so is housing. Well, I think you bring up a really good point that we're right now the only state that is not essential. So we're one out of 50. So that's number one. Secondly, NAR and PAR already have like all these like safety protocols ready to go. So they're going to talk about what happens, how you can do this safely, masks, gloves, booties. I get all that. I'm in total support of all that. The challenge I see here is you go across the river to New Jersey, you can go show a house. You can go look at a house. Go down to Delaware, you can do the same thing. Maryland, West Virginia, Ohio, everywhere around Pennsylvania, uh, you have the ability to go do that. And you know, the, the issue that I have here is he came out last week and said, hey, shelter is essential. I'm going to push back evictions and foreclosures, but he's not voting for this bill. So basically what he's saying is it's only essential for some people and not for others. That's the problem that I have here. You can't go both ways. And that's what he's been doing the entire time. So I've got a call to action for everyone watching here because you need two thirds vote to uh, overcome a veto. So we're going to put a link in the story here. I don't know if Nick or Val can do this. I'm, I'm sure they can. It's going to show the voting record of the House because we just need one vote. You need one vote to overturn this. The Senate's already there. So if you're feeling like you're in a situation where you need your home to sell, whether it's like a vacant property or you're in a financial pinch, and we've got people carrying two homes right now. That's not fun for anybody. Uh, mortgage forbearance isn't all it's cracked up to be. So my hope is... We can make some noise and get this to happen. And the frustrating part is the other side of the state. Like you can, you can go do some of this stuff if your county's yellow. We're not yellow here. And we're like literally like the only region in the entire country. If you look at like metro markets where you can't do this. So it's really, really frustrating to the consumers. 
And yeah, you, you said it yourself, safety is most important. So I, I agree with you there. But if you can go to Walmart and get jammed in with people all over the place, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really see the difference there. Or go to Home Depot. I mean, the lines there are ridiculous. So I, I don't really know what to make of this here. I mean, frustration is, is clear on my part. So what, what do you think about the issue here? I mean, do you, do you think making some noise is going to help? I mean, what, what, like, how do you think this plays out, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I think that everyone who is in a position where you can go ahead and you can make a vote, that means something. And um, whatever we can do to get this moving, I think everybody should do their part to go ahead and do that. Because that is something that we have control over. We may not be able to control, you know, exactly where he's at um, at the moment. But if we put in our opinion, um, that could shift, shift the scale. One vote. If we can get one of those House votes, I think that's a better luck than this governor deciding to not veto the bill. I mean, he came out right away and said that, which is unfortunate. So uh, that's where we are. That's the latest update. We'll put that, all that information in here. There's a couple ways to contact him and your local state reps. Let's hope we get some movement. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here on Zoom calls until summertime, so, uh, which is right around the corner. So we've been talking about this a lot on the show. Next topic, to me, a little more interesting. Uh, it comes from the CEO of Redfin, Glenn Kelman, where he came out and did an interview on CNBC talking about what housing looks like after COVID, like what does post-COVID housing look like? And he had some really good questions, really good insight on the interview. And basically the summation of it was, if you're in a big city, you're probably going to see a mass exodus from large cities because people are going to want to have a little more space, a little more room to live in. Um, and you're also going to see a lot of second homeowners start to sell their properties and housing has kind of become a luxury for a lot of people. So you watched the interview. What did you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, I guess even prior to the pandemic, it seemed like there was a bit of a shift of people moving out of some of the major cities um, already just because of the ability to, to telework. Um, and now with everything that's gone on with the pandemic, yeah, I mean, it was very interesting to see his numbers and to see the way it looked like people were going to be transitioning and, and moving. Well, and you bring up the telework thing's really interesting because Twitter came out and said, hey, people can work from home basically forever. Zillow's done the same thing until the end of the year. So we're seeing all this transition of we're going to telework and you know, telework's pretty effective. I, I, I mean, we've been, you know, on, on a state where we can only do certain things. We've been working every day. So and a lot of realtors already did that. Like very few agents actually like come into the office. Uh, I mean, I know our team's a little different. So I think it's appropriate in some areas. And, you know, really what's going to happen too is you got all these millennial buyers and this has a lot to do with it. They really held off buying homes and now they're in their like thirties. They're having kids, they're getting married. Well, you know, being a parent, I wouldn't want to live in a city right now with three kids. I'd probably blow my brains out. It'd be horrible. Like you go for a walk, you're unloading the groceries or whatever. So that being said, a part of it's kind of what's going on in the market too, because all these millennials stop buying homes. And now with rates coming down so much, and if you see a surplus of inventory in cities, I bet you see a lot of first time home buyers snatching those properties up and start building wealth. So there's another factor here that he didn't mention during the interview that I'm pretty clear is going to be in effect. And also a lot of cities, people are priced out of them. I mean, New York City, Seattle, San Francisco, you name some of these major downtown areas, it's really pricey there. So that's probably another thing, especially if people being out of work, being foreload, whatever you want to call it. So there's definitely some economic headwinds here too. So do you think this happens? Like, what do you think happens in the next six to 12 months? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot of people looking at um, either a little bit more suburban areas or going to those smaller cities like Charleston, um, where you can still get that great city vibe, you can still walk around, but it's just not as condensed and not as packed as places like, again, New York, Seattle, Boston. Um, so I think we're going to see shifts in that direction. That's a really good observation. You know, I, I didn't even think of that because Charleston is like kind of like a big city, but it's small. Like I've been there before, you know, Boomtown, our, our, our CRM is based out of there. So they have conferences there and, I, and I've seen it that way. And you look at kind of what happened around here in the greater Philadelphia area, you see all these like little like suburban towns like Westchester. 20 years ago, Westchester was not a happening place to be. And now there's like over 50 restaurants there. Phoenixville, I grew up right outside Phoenixville. I mean, that place has like a, all these restaurants popping up and there's definitely like a downtown vibe. So media is the same way. And so I, that, that's a really good observation. And maybe, you know, I think that, that, that that's probably what you're going to see a lot of people do, especially, you know, there's going to be an exodus probably from the Northeast as well, given how restrictive the environment's been up here. Um, I know people are talking about it just because we're still into this lockdown and they're like, they're sick of it. So that, 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 that's really interesting. I never thought of that. Great stuff. So sounds like we're both in agreement on both these topics here. Very cool. Uh, so the motivational part of this. So Sarah has been watching The Last Dance of Michael Jordan with her, with her husband, Eric. Great, uh, great thing to watch right now because there's no live sports, so you can't do that. And I came up with a quote here. I thought it was a really good one because Michael Jordan is probably the greatest basketball player of all time. He also practiced harder than anybody. Like, he's fighting guys in practice. He held a grudge. He was ruthless, which I love. And here's what he said, and I want to get your take on this, Sarah. So to be successful, you've got to be selfish or else you never achieve. And once you get to your highest level, then you have to be unselfish, stay reachable, stay in touch, don't isolate. So what do you think all that means? Give us a breakdown. So, I mean, I would say the, be, the you have to be selfish portion at the beginning means you have to do everything that you can do to be on top of your game, whether that's sports, whether that's real estate, um, you know, whether that, regardless of your, your field. Um, I think you have to take every opportunity you have to kind of craft your field and put yourself in the best position. And then once you get there, you need to share that. You need to help people uh, that need a little help along the way and you need to give them your insight. That is a great breakdown. And what I, what I love what you said there is it's not being like selfish. It's more like you have to be focused on growing as a person so then you can be selfless later, right? So it's kind of like uh, with the 5 a.m. call that you know I'm on, my, my buddy Byron, who kind of started the whole thing, he says you got to be selfish in the morning to be selfless the rest of the day. So you can go do what you need to do to get your head right, like go work out or read something or do your affirmations or whatever. And you look at Jordan. I mean, he was not this great player coming out of high school. He got cut from his high school team a couple times. Um, he had that game-winning shot against Georgetown his freshman year. But that wasn't – he wasn't Jordan yet. Like, that was not him. He was like a freshman at North Carolina. and then. He started becoming a little more selfish because he wanted to work on his game. He wanted to get better. And then if you look at his career with the Bulls, and to me, this was like the, the, the turning point for him that made him a great. You're laughing because you have no idea what I'm talking about, probably. But, no, I've been watching, so I so do know what you're talking about. <laughs> when he took Scottie Pippen under his wing, that was the turning point because he knew he couldn't do it all himself. And in order to win in the NBA or win in any sport or even in business, right, like look at us, you have to have a team. It's not one, – one person can only do so much – and a great player or a great team member can elevate you tremendously if you play to their strengths. And, you know, that's where he was selfless. 
I mean, you look at Den- the relationship with Dennis Rodman, right? Dennis Rodman is out of, out of his goddamn mind. The guy's crazy. And what he did with him is they said, hey, we can win with this guy. I'm going to kind of work with him. And, I mean, that's probably why the Bulls broke up because it was only sustainable for so long. But he, right. he, and he I mean, rather than, yeah, rather than turning him away because, you know, of everything, they took him in. And with Pippen, I feel like that also made Jordan stronger. You know, it's helping others helps yourself. You know, it, it builds the team and it makes everybody better. Summed up well there. We're going to leave it there. Sarah, we're going to have you back. This is very exciting. Thanks for pitching in. And that's what a team's all about. So good segue there on your part. We'll be back next week. Thanks for watching, everybody.